You know, I sometimes think about the place where I used to grow up. I remember them very vividly and distinctively. It was as if I never really left. Or, in some ways, you really never leave the places you grew up. They always stay with you. Whether it be a certain smell, a certain taste, a certain color, maybe there's an item that you remember. I remember when I was little, the house that is my current grandmother's house before they fixed it up, I grew up there. There'd be a, a door where you'd have to open to go outside to the quote-unquote outhouse where the restroom and the toilet well, where the shower and the toilet was. I remember I thought I saw a spider the size of a small dog, a tarantula even. It's probably no bigger than a penny or a dime, <laughs> something like that. I remember I lost my uh, my Joker van. So when Batman, the 1989 movie, came out, a couple years down the road, I'm probably about five or six. So I bought little figures, little figurines, very similar to what you would think as um, <laughs> very similar to what you would think as uh, match cars. So. Uh, what Hot Wheels are now, but half the size of those. They had little figurines. One was a, an airplane in the in the uh, the design or the mold of Batman's airplane. Another one was a Joker car, which was a longer elongated with the Joker's face on the front. And the last one was a Joker van. <laughs> Every time, uh, occasionally, I would think of that. And I don't know what would spark it, whether it be Hot Wheels whether it be the idea of, <laughs> whether it be the idea of, like, watching Batman the movie itself proper, maybe a, a deep purple that would spark the memory of, of that van, I think about it sometimes. Of course, years later, after they fixed it up, and, you know, right when they were pulling up the boards of which I felt like I had dropped, I went back and looked for it, just for shits and giggles. Just because I never let it go. Because parts of your childhood never leave you. They stay the same. They stay with you. Things don't go anywhere just because you get older. Your memories, you know, unless you have some unfortunate accident, don't ever leave you. They stay the same. They're always there. Maybe you contextualize them differently, right? When you get older, you say, that situation was really bad, and that situation could have been a lot worse. Like the one time my parents went to Las Vegas. They brought me a slingshot back. So I'm outside in town at the, uh, we just called the Big Blue House, which is my parents' current residence. <laughs> I remember taking little uh, different kinds of nuts that were around my front yard. Most of them were pecans, because we had a pecan tree. And I'd load them up to my little my little slingshot. And then I had little green, like, acorns. And basically, they were unripe acorns that had fell from the, from the acorn tree that we had. <laughs> so I loaded these up, 
there's like a hot car, hot little Camaro comes rolling through and some lady pulls over to the side and talks to me and threatens me. Then she'll call the cops on me. And I was like, yeah, I was aiming at something else. Tried to lie, basically. <laughs> My cousin, we call him Willie. His name is Will. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> his name is Willie. Um, starts teasing me. At this time, Willie hadn't quite mellowed out. He was still a piece of shit person. Um, or a piece of shit kid. Uh, as he grew older, he matured and mellowed out. At least to me. Right? But, uh... <laughs> I remember... I remember... I remember... The fear. And obviously, as an adult now, you sit here and say, What the fuck are you doing? People pay hundreds of dollars for their vehicles. People spend thousands of dollars... You know, to repair these things to make sure they're operational. What the fuck kind of punk ass kid, you know, were you? As an adult, you contextualize it like that's so wrong. So many different levels, so many different ways. But as a young adult, as a kid, basically, you don't have any concept of a car payment and how much that family or that person is paying just to drive that vehicle around. Some punk kid's gonna throw acorns at it. Scratch up my bumper, scratch up my stuff. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I think about those things a lot more than I'm older and it's not because I'm getting older it's because I'm having kids or my kids are I've already had children <laughs> my kids are old enough to where they're going to start memories like that one of these days they're going to remember this or that most recently, Thomas ran a kid over and got ejected from an all-star game, right? Like, that was the that was the thing that I think he'll remember more recently now. He's going to remember it, obviously. But I, I think it's kind of interesting because he's going to contextualize that differently as he gets older, right? Obviously, it was an action and a, and a thing that you don't really want to be ejected for, you know, as, as, a, as a player, but just as a parent, you know, the idea that he's trying to score and he's trying to, uh, trying to, you know, bring in some runs for his team, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things there. We contempt, you know, we look at that situation completely different. Other things that randomly pop in my head are songs, right? Songs that you don't really remember. Maybe they pop on the radio, but they're probably not even hits. They're like songs that take you to a place in time when you were growing up. Or even as an adult, like a young adult. I can can I can remember a couple of different songs that I heard from working at a couple of different malls. And there's a song by The Fray called Syndicated. There is a song called, um, it's by, what is it, uh, Everything is Changing. The same people who sing uh, Somewhere Only We Know, so Keen is the band's name. And to me it's interesting, right? Those lyrics of songs that take me back, Long Road to Ruin off of Echo, Silence, Patience, and Grace from the Foo Fighters is another song that I go back and I think of sitting in the dark room, my 
I guess it would be my sophomore year of college and just trying to develop photographs of random shit that I took, right? Like, they're not even great photos, but that was me learning how to do the fixer and the silver nitrate and, 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 and developing it and, and rolling through all those different pieces, having those different items, um, learning that process, right? So it's, um, it's interesting. The nostalgic piece, but it's also like that when you bump into friends, people that you knew, people that you were familiar with, but people you were not quite friends with. And they, they, they judge you differently now as, as a, as a human, I guess as a human being, obviously, but as an older person, you get the perspective of being an adult. There's a guy that, uh, his kid made all-star team with Thomas and, you know, he was a little bit underperforming. He was a kid who was one of those French kids. They probably could have picked a handful of other children, um, you know, along with this person in the mix, he had a good game, had some games where he, you know, struck out, so he was an up and down performer, but I look at this person's father, who I know, but only because we grew up together, right, we're the same educational system, we were in the same uh, program when it comes to, like, our, our Catholic upbringing, uh, so we knew each other, but we didn't know each other, we weren't, like, best friends. We never hung out. We didn't really know a lot about each other other than just, but now meeting these individuals as adults, it's like life has changed. Things have changed. People, surprisingly, right? They have changed. And I want to say that I'm a person that's fairly open to, to those things, fairly open to change. You know, I'm not the person I used to be. I'm, I'm not the person I once was. I know that's for sure. And that's a factual statement. Do I still have biases from my youth? Definitely. Yeah, I think everybody does. But with people that you were neutral or you didn't have a, a good, you know, a great connection with or a great friendship with, it's like, hey, there's that guy. And again, I, I contextualize, I, I say this. from like a male perspective, meeting another guy. Because with the ladies, it's a little different, right? Because it's like you're married now. So it's not like you're talking to these individual people because you're available and you're trying to see who's out there and you're trying to see who's available. It's, you're not. <laughs> I mean, most of these are conversations about children. It's about marriage. It's about different types of things. I think it's interesting when you drive by people's homes, when you drive by people's, not necessarily their homes, but when you drive by places where people used to live, right? Uh, you knew this place is where your best friend used to grow up or, or where, um, you know, that girl that you had been deeply in love with um, lives. And her family maybe still does live there. So every time you get a little bit of nostalgia, you know, I live back in my hometown now, but there was a good time and a good long time where I didn't, I lived in another city, another town. Some, at some point I lived in like another state. 
Um, so when you get pulled out of that situation and you see the vast wide world, you realize that it's all the same. It's just somebody else's childhood place that you're sitting in or growing up in, right? I mean, when I was selling books in Kentucky, I lived in a, uh, a house in Kentucky and that house was full of memories for somebody else's life. That Somebody spent their childhood in that house and it wasn't me reliving those things. I had no context to it. I didn't understand that, you know, that's where the Reynolds, that was their name. Uh, I think uh, David and Sandy and I, the, the children's names escape me. Man, it's been so long that I don't remember what the kids' names were. David, maybe? Right. <laughs> anyway, but David and Sandy were the uh, parents that had lived there. And honestly, their memories are, are vast. That's what they remember. I'm a blip on the radar. I made maybe a small imprint and and then that was it. I go back and think sometimes about my experience and my time with them. And I think fondly. I also think, man, I should not have been doing that during that period of time. Gas was $4, just like gas is $4 now. You know, it was during Barry Obama administration. So there was a lot of things going on. A lot of things happening. <laughs> the smell of Kentucky bluegrass. The hot, dry 78 degrees outside. It's a different type of heat. Texas, I'm used to 95 degrees and muggy. But there's no wind. There's no, you know, there's no salt in the air. You know, it's, it's just... There's no mug, mugginess there. It's just hot. But it's not. It's a different type of heat. It's a different type of environment. You know, the last thing I recorded was talking about dreams of what I would do and what I would go. And I remember there's a line in the time machine. I don't know if it's in the book. But it's in the movie. Dreams are what carry us forward. And dreams are also what hold us back. That's literally what the character says before he dies or whatever. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not H.G. Wells' like vision either. And then, like, a lot of the times I will meet parents or people that I grew up with that are now parents. And we have a common bond of, you know, we both grew up in Ocampo. We both have different things. I mean, there was like a, going back to the point a minute ago... Like the places where I used to live or the places where I've been and that's actually somebody's like Mecca, right? That's their place. I remember like Dairy Queen. I used to eat at this place and there's just a Waffle House place I used to eat at, right? And um, with selling, it's all about routine. It's all about building the best of you and having the same routine. And I mean, which I understand from a sales perspective, but I was never really that good I wasn't really that focused in on, on doing that job when I was there. So I really didn't care. And I, I got to the place every day. I ordered the same thing every day. And, you know, I, I pretty much got the same results every day, uh, which are very few. <laughs> the, a lot of driving around. And I guess that's why I enjoy driving now. 
it's kind of it's kind of hard to you know disassociate that piece but one of the other things that I, I liked or one of the other points that I want to make is going back to when you meet somebody hmm. Port Lavaca sand crabs I remember a night where I was a photographer when I was in sophomore year and me and this girl were interested mutually I would hope to say now <laughs> mutually interested in each other I took a couple of pictures of her that were for me they were not for anybody else they were for me I forgot to remove them off but they was for me my editor at the time got mad the advisor actually not the editor got mad because she downloaded the photos she was like what's this I was like it's, it's my picture I wanted to it's for me it's like, no, 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 no. She deleted it. But it never left me. The black flag uniform that they wore. Her head tilted down to the right. I think it was blue eyeshadow. Nostalgia. Things that you never forget. Places you never leave truly. The places that crystallize in your mind and in your head. The things that torture you sometimes. The missed opportunities. The, the shots you didn't take or couldn't take fast enough, basically. <laughs> the way that goes, actually. And was it really a loss if you never really play the game don't know it's hard it's hard to tell what truly is a loss and what truly is just bad luck could you be could it be both <laughs> bad luck and you missed out yeah I definitely feel like that is a true form of it could it have been meant to be well, if it was meant to be, then it should have happened. Maybe it didn't happen because it wasn't supposed to be. Who really knows? Truthfully, nobody cares. Because I don't know if you noticed this, but your narrative, the individual person, does not, it does not matter. Right? Like, I, I care very little about somebody else's story. <laughs> Unless... It's a compelling, interesting, uh, engaging novel about somebody's feelings, friendships, emotions, right? I mean, that's, that's what great storytelling is. So we do actually care about other people's stories. We just don't care about the way you say it if it's not interesting. So me and my wife were watching Moneyball, a movie made, you know... In the late 2010s, 2000s, it's a retelling of a um, GM owner, a GM and owner, basically, of the Oakland A's. They talk about how they had a revolutionary perspective on um, baseball analytics, which is what they call now sabermetrics. But, oh, there it goes. Um, basically, you have 
teams that are very rich and they buy the best players and they put themselves in a position to win um, more games than teams that are poor, which, you know, I think it was 38 million compared to $117 million from the New York Yankees compared to the Oakland A's. So the telling of that story is enthralling. Me and my wife are having a debate. Is this a baseball movie? We really couldn't tell. <laughs> it has baseball in it. The lead character is the GM of the Oakland A's. And a lot of the story revolves around this team getting better and the decisions that they're making to uh, make the team better. But is it a baseball movie? It's about baseball. But it's about Billy. So... Like, what's the, what's the hang-up? It's, it's interesting to me because I, I, I couldn't decide what it was. If it was a baseball movie, true and proper, or if it was just a good narrative, a good story. And, of course, there's drama and, you know, the narrative of the decisions they make and how that affects the team, how it affects him personally, from different things, different aspects, and that's that's great storytelling, you know, quite frankly. But the problem is again is the fact that it's it's not really a baseball movie. Because you're following Billy Bean. You're not following the baseball team, you're following this guy. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. You know, you follow that story, you follow that narrative, you feel enthralled with Billy, and you sit there and think, is this a baseball movie, or is this just a personal narrative with aspects of baseball in it? Which is what I kind of feel like it is. It's like, hey, baseball is a part of this narrative. It helps tell, it's the... Uh, the vehicle that we're in. But it also isn't really about baseball. But it is. Hmm. Good storytelling. That's all you have to say. The idea and the, the fact of good storytelling. When you have it, it makes it a lot easier. Makes it a lot easier to sit here and say... That movie was awesome. That movie was amazing. That movie entertained me. That movie had me considering different things and uh, had me thinking different things and X, Y, and Z. And, and then you've also had, again, this is narrative, right? This is things like identity, basically your outlook on those things. Excuse me. Somebody had once tried to tell me that nobody cares about your story. I said, you're right. Nobody cares about my story right now because I have nothing entertaining to talk about or nothing enthralling there that, that will keep you engaged in it. But that does not mean, does not mean that nobody wants to hear it. You can find ways to tell the story here. It's interesting to me because I go back to the night in Port Lavaca. It's funny how Port Lavaca was the cause of two different places. After a track meet, you know, 
basically driving 75 miles an hour, 65 miles an hour down a highway with my mom and my girlfriend at the time. She was laying beside me and a couple years later we discussed that of course after the breakup happens and then after all the bullshit drama and all the other stuff it's like you sit there and you consider it like she said oh we were kids and we were x y and z and it's like yeah we were kids but but I just I, I felt a different way yeah, it was young love, it was kid love, and I was like, it was love for me. It was the first time, truly, that I was unselfish in my regard of thinking about a relationship. Thinking, you know, yes, was I immature? Definitely. Was I um, aggressive and, and all the other things that I was being accused of? You know, bullheaded, you know, X, Y, and Z, X, and yeah. yes, I was. Because I was young still, and I didn't, I didn't learn and grow those things. I didn't have those skills to change at the time. But since that point, it was real, and those feelings and those those things they they have faded, and most of the things have died. Like I care very little for that person anymore. Do I go back and think of the pain, the anger, the? The sadness, the, you know, does it still pop my uh, emotions occasionally? Definitely. I think that that's, if you've ever gone through a relationship, a meaningful relationship, and it ended um, sometimes poorly and sometimes even, you know, not so poorly, you still feel, you still feel the, the, the pieces of it, right? You still feel the, the relationship as it was. You still remember the fight, you still remember X, Y, and Z, you just don't remember who was right in the moment. And sometimes it's, she cheated on me, so I gotta bounce. Okay, yeah, I get that. Hey, buddy, guess what? That makes sense. At the same time, sometimes it's just like we weren't a good fit at the time. Doesn't mean that you can't be a good fit down the road, but it's just, I mean, it's gonna happen right now. I, um, <laughs> I go back and think and look about, I go back truthfully and I replay those things and I'm so wrong in so many different ways but the thing that it helps is my relationship currently the thing it helps is my like relationship now like with my wife doesn't mean it, it doesn't mean it can't help me but just doesn't mean it didn't help me at the time I guess that's wisdom from my past right the, 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 the grenades or mines that I'd stepped on years ago are now not there anymore. I do find it interesting that, you know, a lot of my exes get amazingly hot right after they break up with me. Happened. Happened like on three different occasions. And I was just like, come on, man, really? I couldn't get the hottest version of, you know, said person. Then again, <laughs> then again, I do think I dodged a lot of bullets, like Neo from the Matrix style. Like, I really feel like there were some bullets that I just outward, outwardly just dodged completely. There were so many different situations that I could have avoided if I had just been smarter. 
But that doesn't mean that I was smart at the time. When you go back and think about nostalgia, and you go back and think about the times in your life where you were wrong, and I don't mean just a little wrong, I mean like completely wrong. I think you go back and say, geez, you know, smart people, most people go back and say, hey, that's on me. I fucked that up. Very few people double down on their wrongness. I mean, they just don't. Really, when I go back and deep down inside myself and I look at stuff and I analyze situations and I analyze how things used to be, there are a lot of shots that I wish I would have took a lot sooner that I was just scared about getting to. I wish I would have asked her two weeks before when I had the notion I just didn't have the courage or the balls. Maybe I would be her husband now. My life would be completely changed. The personality that I developed in my college years and my, I didn't even think about that college. Would I have still gone to college? Would she have come with me? Would we have done that together as a couple? What would it, what would we have done? What would we have lived? What would we have done? What would we do? It's interesting to think about those things. It's the ultimate, like, what if of our lives, right? It's the, if I went left instead of right, if I would have asked her instead of waited, if I would have been interested in, you know, Jane instead of, you know, Erica, right? If I, if I would have, I mean, it's just, it's all left turns instead of right turns. It's, you know, had I gotten involved with somebody in sophomore year of high school when I was an immature asshole, didn't understand how to talk to intelligent women, was not intelligent enough to have a, a proper conversation, nor was I ever, mm, I probably wasn't smart enough to even consider those things like at all like would my life be the exact same god no would i have to learn the lessons that i learned doing different things yes i was a hot-headed arrogant in, in uh, unintelligent and still in some ways unintelligent um punk ass little bitch that's what i was that's what i was I mean, am I still some of those aspects? Yeah, sure am. But I think like everybody else, it's always situational. Am I still whiny, unintelligent? For the most part, no. But then again, there are times where I kind of just lose my shit and I act like a child. I mean, is that something that is gonna happen I guess but it's it all depends on the situation to quote Pat McAfee situations are situational <laughs> I, I love how ambiguous that meaning is because it makes a lot of sense for me like it's like hey I, I don't 
I don't ever feel like I'm ever in control of another person's actions. I feel like there are ways that I can kind of guide a conversation to where I want it to go. But that's after years of communication. That's after years of failure in doing it. And it's just talking with people on a level head. No more arrogance. But at 15 years old, when I'm trying to talk to, you know, the person who was so influential the person I wanted to be with, it was, it wasn't, I had nothing going for me, I was a B-string photographer for the local yearbook, I didn't get involved in any of the stuff, I was a cross-country runner, but I was a skinny little punk, like, I had a smart mouth, but I couldn't spell, right, I couldn't string together an intelligent line, thank God for college, because that's where I at least came up to be somewhat underperforming in my English when it comes to writing out the language. (laughs) Jesus, I was so, I mean, I look back on like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Facebook will give me things that I have posted out and pushed out into the universe. Man, if it was not for college, I would be just horrid, just absolutely appalling. Um, I just, I don't know. Some of this stuff starts with, like I said, the idea of nostalgia. You drive by her parents' house and you sit here and think of what a life would have been like. What those things could have been like. How your life could have changed. How your whole perspective on things could have changed. Probably did. Would, would definitely would have changed, but to, to what degree? Would it have ended badly? Would we have consummated a child? Would we have, um, you know, would we have broken up three months later and she's still gotten with the next guy? Who knows, right? That guy was still going to be interested. Could that guy who, you know, she ended up marrying, good for them, but that guy had still been the dude on the outsides, the the man on the side, John Mayer once sang a song about a guy named Lenny, the the song is called Lenny, Man on the Side, the lyrics go, I'm the man on the side, hoping you'd make up your mind, I'm the one who will swallow my pride, life is the man on the side, (laughs) I fell in love with a dream that I built of you playing the part of Taking my own advice and giving up tonight. Good luck to you and your kink. Lyrics play such a powerful part of our world. And such a powerful part of our emotional and mental state of being. The the song basically entails this John Mayer, or this character. Because I think it's a cover song, to be honest. This character is trying to make a call to the girl that he's been dreaming about, the girl that he thinks about, the girl that he cares about, the girl that he wants to be with. But ultimately, the truth of the matter is simply that it won't happen. He's never going to get the girl. She'll be too busy for him. 
See, she's failing to see that the worst part about it is that he's free if she wanted him. That he's available and willing to be hers if she'll have him. It's sad. It's a. It comes from an emotional place that if you've never been there, you don't know. You can understand it, but unless you've actually been that person, the man on the side, the guy calling, give up waiting out daylights. What did I say? Um, the city lights look so beautiful. The city lights look so nice. I wish you were here tonight. Something along those lines. <laughs> I wrote an email and a messenger back when I was into my sophomore year talking about how the city lights of, of Austin look so nice and how I wish she could be with me that night to enjoy it, to enjoy and peer into uh, the afternoon, the darkness, the, the night of this, when the city lights uh, to, you know, quote John Mayer's neon, the stars, what is it, uh, the sky blue in the darkest night see the colors of the city night the trail of ruby red and diamond white handles like a sunrise basically he's describing the atmosphere the, the nightlife of the city that he's in and I like it John Mayer has always been awesome John Mayer has always been a very interesting lyricist and it's just one of those things that he played a lot of influential jazzy beats and blues for me back when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life sitting in a depressionary state thinking about a girl who didn't choose me <laughs> I laugh because it's funny for me now I'm married with a wife, beautiful life beautiful kids but again But again, nostalgia 100% takes you out of it. It can 100% wreck you. It can 100% pull you out of a mental state of, of enjoyment. But it can also take you back, right? It's a call back earlier. Dreams are what carry us forward and dreams are what holds us, hold us back. The ultimate endless possibilities of my life at the time and still currently in my life. It's interesting to think. Ultimately, this has been over. This is the end of drive time. I appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody, two of y'all or three of y'all that listen to this. Maybe it's my wife who hears this and thinks, what the fuck is this guy thinking about? Like, should I fire, uh, fire him? Should I uh, divorce him because he's talking about some girls that he dated way before that I was even around and I was even involved like <laughs> and if she's thinking that and if you're listening I mean this is just me dipping into a nostalgic piece of my life or a nostalgic part of my life a nostalgic piece of me that I think about sometimes that I openly consider and contemplate not to say I don't love my life and I want to give up on you know my family and my kids but just the idea of what if the the happenstance and the and the idea of what if 
Not good nor bad. Not, I want to give up on my life and my kids. And uh, That's not that it. That's not it at all. Ultimately, these things are already set in stone. Ultimately, I can't change any of the stuff that I've done. I can't change any of the things that have been already done. Can't change it. Doesn't mean I can't sit here and think, man, what if? I've alluded to this a couple of times. Her and her husband have two daughters. I have two sons. I also have two girls. <laughs> so, you know, the I'm not counting out LGBTQ stuff. I'm just saying. It's a wild time that we live in right now. Some things I don't agree with, but I'm practically open for people to love who they love and be who they want to be. I may not agree with it, but I'm not living their life, so I could care less, right? Libertarian in that perspective. Now, the minute you start trying to impose or enforce your rule and your idealized stuff on me, that's when I kind of, that's when I feel like Jordan Peterson and it's like, hey, listen, you're not going to make me use or, or say certain things. It's not, no, no. You can be who you want to be. You can say what you want to say. That's fine. But the minute you start imposing on me as an individual, I, I tend to say, fuck you. But that's another conversation for a different day on a different time. I appreciate you listening to me. This has been Drive Time. I will talk to you later.